This is the Ford Theater, a full hour of radio drama. Our play today, My Sister Eileen, the motion picture and Broadway smash comedy hit starring Shirley Booth and Virginia Gilmore. The Ford Theater is presented by the Ford Motor Company, makers of Ford, Mercury, and Lincoln cars, and Ford trucks, farm tractors, and industrial engines. In the past three generations, millions of Americans have learned to rely on Ford products. For three generations, Ford has led the way in the development of more dependable, more economical transportation. Today, in the third generation, more than eight million Americans prefer Ford products. They know from experience you can depend on Ford. Our regular Ford Theater spokesman, Howard Lindsay, is away in Detroit, where he opened his new production, Life with Mother, last Tuesday. To fill his place, he has invited the distinguished actor and producer, Eddie Dowling, to preside over this afternoon's proceedings. And here he is, Mr. Eddie Dowling. Thank you very much, and good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's a great pleasure for me to be here, pinch-hitting for Howard Lindsay. This afternoon's Ford Theater play, My Sister Eileen, in my estimation, is one of the gayest, craziest comedies ever to hit Broadway. And many of you must have seen the movie, I'm sure, too. Our radio version was made by Gilbert Seldes and stars Shirley Booth as Ruth Sherwood and Virginia Gilmore as Eileen. <laughs> Well, as the curtain goes up, our two innocents, Ruth and Eileen Sherwood from Columbus, Ohio, have come to New York to make good in the big city. Ruth, the former editor of the high school paper, hopes to become a successful writer. Eileen, who played the lead in the senior class play, plans a career as an actress. Their ambitions are meagerly bolstered by a slim bankroll of $181. After a fruitless week of apartment hunting, they've arrived in Greenwich Village where a landlord is about to show them through an ancient studio apartment. Well, here you are. Come in, come in, my dear young ladies. Now, this is the studio. Tell me, isn't it just what you've been dreaming about? Yes, it's very nice, Mr. Papas. Only we're not sure about living in a basement. Please, let me tell you, this is the best value you can get in the whole of New York. Go ahead, look around, look around. Notice the exquisite imitation fireplace and the charm of the slanting bookshelves and these big, comfortable daybeds. The floor looks more comfortable. Uh, never mind. Uh, just look at this interesting and exciting dormer window. A window with iron bars? It's like Alcatraz without the view. Uh, look, look. Life passes up and down in front of you like a regular parade. What more could a young person with a typewriter want? Am I wrong in presuming that you are authors? I'm a writer. Oh, and uh, you, young lady, are you artistic like your sister? Well, I'm, I'm going to try to get a job on the stage. Oh, an actress. Well, you certainly have the face and the bill for it. Thank you. Haven't you got something higher up? Higher up? My dear young lady, why don't you let me show you the place before you raise a lot of objections? Yes, Ruth. Let Mr. Up... Up... Apopolis. Uh, yes. Show us the place. Now, let me point out a few features of this magnificent studio. A, it is summer. B, it is at least 30 degrees cooler down here than anywhere higher. C, it is only $75 a month. $75 a month? For this? This. This. Well, how long have you been looking for a place? Well, ever since Just last... today. Thank you very much, Mr. Apopolis. It's, it's very nice, but we'd like to think it over. Couldn't we uh, stay here a few days? And then if we like it... I'll uh... do better than that. You can have the place for a month on trial. And then if you're not 100% satisfied, I give you back your first month's rent. The whole month? The whole month. And August has 31 days. Now... Let me show you where everything is. A model kitchenette. 
That's a nauseating nook. <laughs> Adjacent is a luxurious bathroom. Thank heavens we took a bath before we left Columbus. <laughs> well, the rooms are awfully small. In those two rooms you want to entertain. <laughs> and what if they are small? That is certainly strange talk from a creative artist. Uh, what does an author need except four walls and a typewriter? Down here, just a tank of oxygen. <laughs> well, let's take it, Ruth. I just can't look at any more places. Well, what about the neighborhood? It doesn't look very nice. Why, this is the most artistic section of Greenwich Village. I don't see what we can lose. Mr. Poplar said he'd refund our money if it doesn't turn out all right. Legally, you have me where you want me. I gave my word in front of two witnesses. Three, including me. <laughs> Please, Ruth. I've just got to get to bed. Well, Eileen, I... I won't blame it on you. Don't worry. All right, then. Here's a month's rent. You'll never regret it. Merciful heavens! What... What was that? What was what? <laughs> that noise. The whole room shook. <laughs> that goes to show how you'll get used to it. I didn't even notice it. Used to it? You mean it happens all the time? You won't even be conscious of it. A little blasting in the new subway. You mean they're blasting right underneath us? Well, what are you worrying about? Those engineers know how much dynamite to use. Does it go on all the time? Oh, no, no. They knock off at midnight, and they don't start again until six in the morning. Six in the morning? Oh, we can't live here. Oh, listen, listen. In New York... You either live, A, over a subway, or B, where they're building a subway, or C, you don't live in New York. Stop double-talking the alphabet and give us our money back. Well, what are you getting hysterical about? I'm not getting hysterical. Yes. All I want is my money back. Now, look, be honest. Be fair to yourself. Don't rush in and out of things. Sleep on it tonight and see how you feel in the morning. You can't do this to us. You give us our money back. I said I'd give you your money back, and I will. If at the end of the month you are still dissatisfied. Good night, ladies. Sleep tight. Yes, Eileen. Sleep tight, my darling. Well, how did I know they were blasting underneath us? Oh, Ruth, what are we going to do? We're going to do 30 days. <laughs> Just some kids playing machine gun on the bars of the window. I hoped it wouldn't wake you, Eileen. Oh, I can't sleep. There's a lamppost right in front of the window. The light shines in my eyes. Pull down the shade, please, Ruth. There isn't any shade. <laughs> no shade? We're practically sleeping in the street. Just wait till I get that Apopolis. Would it help any to close the window? If we do, we'll suffocate. I'm afraid. You know, a cat could... dog could chase a cat through here. And probably will. <laughs> Let's get to sleep. Maybe we can forget. Come on, Joe. Come on. Will you take your hands off of me, Pete? That's awful, man. <laughs> They're right outside our window. Well, keep quiet and they'll go away. I'm not going back to that dive, that's all. Oh, why not? In the first place, they'll suck us for another cover charge. No, they won't. I'll tell them I had to walk you around the block. Oh, the heck with it. And the heck with those dames of yours, too. Oh, come on, you better let me take you home. No, sirree. You go away from here, you drunken bum. Hush, Eileen. Aha. Uh -huh. Hey, Pete, look down here in the basement. A dame. Yeah. Nice looking, too. Now you've done it, Eileen. They'll never go now. You tell them. You, you go away from there or we'll call the police. Another dame. <laughs> Look at Pete, there's two of them. One for you, too. <laughs> and which one of you is Violet? I want Violet. You get away from here. Hello, cuties. <laughs> close the window. Me close the window? No, you close it. Good luck. <laughs> Ruth, please. 
Well, don't you do it, Ruth. Leave me and I'll close it. <laughs> come on, honey. Come to Papa. What's going on here? Come on. Break it up. Break it up. Just a social visit. Oh, it was just going. Good night. Go on. Get out of here. Go on. It's the police, Ruth. Oh, I get it. I'm awfully glad you came, officer. Yeah, I bet you are. Officer, um, do you think you could do something about that lamp post? It shines right in here. Sure, I'll crochet a shade. <laughs> You're new in this neighborhood, ain't you? Yes, we just moved in today. Well, if you're smart, you'll move out tomorrow. I don't go for this stuff on my beat. What, what, what do you mean? I'm warning you. Did you hear what he said, Eileen? Yes, I did. Oh, why did we ever take this place? It's all right, darling. Go to sleep. from Georgia Tech and a heck of an engineer. Come in. Oh, Violet in? Violet doesn't live here anymore. Who was she anyway? Oh, she was a nice girl. Had a lot of friends. Well, my name's Loomis. I live upstairs. Oh, yes, Mr. Loomis. I think I met your wife. Helen, swell little kid, ain't she? Mm, lovely. Is there uh, anything I can do for you, Mr. Loomis? Oh, leave out the mister. Call me Wreck. Wreck? Yeah, that's what they call me at Georgia Tech. I'm a rambling wreck from Georgia Tech. Oh, I see. I haven't have made All-American last year, only I was expelled. Hi, <laughs> oh, you're cooking spaghetti and meatballs, huh? I smelled them coming past yesterday. Yeah, they taste a lot better the second day. Sure. I say, my wife and I want you to come up to dinner. Oh, swell. Well, someday. I'll cook the dinner. Pot roast, leg of lamb, shrimps, creole, anything you want. Your wife's a mighty lucky girl. Oh, I don't know. She'd do the same for me if I had to go out to work. <laughs> Don't you work? No. I'm waiting for the football season to start. I did think about taking up wrestling, but, well, you have to rehearse the act too much. But what I wanted to tell you, my mother-in-law is coming. Oh, won't that be nice? No. <laughs> she doesn't know about me. Doesn't she know you're married? No, we can't tell her. She hates football players. So if you let me bunk down here, I'd... Well, sure, but where? Oh, I'll sleep in the kitchen. And I'll cook for you. And I iron swell. You what? Iron. Press your blouses, and I can do pleats. Oh, that's just what we need. Well, then I'll be down later. So long. I'm a rambling wreck from Georgia Tech and a heck of an engineer. Come in. Hello. Yes? Who are you? Odd, isn't it? Yes. Is there Mind anything... Mind if I sit down? I think you're making a mistake. What apartment do you want? Uh, is Violent home? No. Oh, it's all right. It's all right. Marty sent me over at the airport. I don't know any Marty. You'll have to get out of here. Oh, now, don't be like that. I'm a good fella. Hey, my name's Fletcher. I don't care who you are. Will you please go? You sure Violet Shelton doesn't live here? Yes. And if you don't get out of here, I'm going to call the police. <laughs> they won't arrest me. I'm in the fire department. <laughs> All right. You asked for it. Now you're going to get it. Mr. Loomis! Mr. Loomis! Yeah? You'd better get out of here. Big husky friend of mine's coming down here in a minute. Glad to see him. What's the trouble, Miss Sherwood? Oh, Mr. Loomis, this man walked in and he just won't go away. What's the idea of crashing in on this girl? Now, don't get yourself excited. I was just looking for Violet. You sure she isn't here? Tell him, Mr. Loomis... Tell him that nobody named Violet lives here. She used to have this studio before these girls moved in. Well, I uh, guess I made a mistake. You bet it was a mistake. Now get moving. Very well. Good evening. Uh, tell Violet I called. Hi, Ruth. Gee, I'm glad you're back. What's going on here? Oh, nothing. Well, why was that big ape running that little fellow out of here? Oh, well, the little fellow's Mr. Fletcher. He came here insisting that he had to see Violet, that Marty over at the airport sent him. He refused to leave, so Mr. Loomis was sweet enough to throw him out. Who's Mr. Loomis? He calls himself the wreck. 
But his real name's Loomis. He and his wife live upstairs. He's a professional tackle. Did he want to practice down here? <laughs> he wants to live here. What? Where? Well, it's awfully romantic, Ruth. He's married, but it's a secret. And his mother-in-law's coming, so, uh, so I said he could sleep in the kitchen. Well, where will we cook? Well, he's going to cook. That's the beauty of it. I'm too tired to take it all in, dear. It's a heat. Want some lemonade? No, don't bother. Oh, did anyone call? No. You got some mail, though. Mail? You don't have to be so darn tactful. They're rejected manuscripts. You know, I'm beginning to feel I live in a little world all my own, sending all these manuscripts to myself. Anyway, it's a lot more dignified than being kicked out in person. Well, don't tell me. I've been snubbed by every office boy from the New Yorker to the Workers' Herald. Oh, I forgot. I met a man today. Only one? <laughs> What's the matter? Well, this is about you. Yeah? Mm -hmm. I was sitting in the outer waiting office at the Schubert's. Well, now you're getting somewhere. And I met this man. He's a reporter. I told him all about you, and he's very interested. So interested, I bet he can't wait to get you alone. <laughs> Don't be silly. He even told me the name of his newspaper for you to call him. What paper is it? He said it was, uh, the racing form. Oh. <laughs> but I never heard of it. Did you? Once or twice. Just my type work, too. <laughs> well, from here in, it's clear sailing. What's that burning? Oh, my gosh. What have we got for dinner? What do you think? Spaghetti and meatballs. Oh, Lord, haven't we polished that off yet? <laughs> I think I'll just take a cold shower and crawl into bed. Oh, you can't go to bed yet, Ruth. I, I invited a man to dinner. Who, oh, for heaven's sake? Frank Lippincott. Now, who's Frank Lippincott? Oh, he's that awfully nice boy uh, we met at the drugstore the day he moved in here. The soda jerk? Mm -hmm. Well, he's really assistant manager. Since I've been in New York, I've only wet, met one man, and he said, Why don't you look where you're going? <laughs> well, Frank's a very nice boy. And besides, he hasn't let me pay for one single lunch check since I've been going in there. Why don't you wander into the Ritz someday? <laughs> I wanted you to meet him. Then whenever you're in the neighborhood, you can have lunch there, too. You know, I have a feeling that that drugstore is going to be under new management soon. <laughs> well, it comes in handy. <laughs> I'll finish cooking. You take it easy, darling. Mm. Oh, Ruth, um, we ought to have something for dessert. You're dressed. Would you mind running down to the bakery? You know, it's wonderful the way you manage with only one maid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as long as you're going out the back way, you might as well cash in those six milk bottles. Anything else? No, that's all. Uh, just use your judgment about the dessert. Get something nice. Well, I've got a nickel and six milk bottles. I can run riot. <laughs> Oh, I beg your pardon. I'm looking for Miss Ruth Sherwood. She uh, she lives here, doesn't she? I'm with the Manhattan, the magazine. Oh, how do you do? Come in. This uh, this is my sister, Eileen. How do you do? How do you do? I live nearby, Miss Sherwood. I thought I'd drop in and say how much I like the stories you submitted. Oh, oh isn't that wonderful, Ruth? An editor. Just one of the editors. Well, I'm glad you like them. Are you... I've sent them along to the big noise with a recommendation. Oh. Oh, I'm pretty sure he'll take them. Well, how long does it take for them to decide? A week, ten days. As long as that, when you know they're good? Well, they have other manuscripts ahead of mine, I'm sure. Well, believe me, you've got a great talent. And you, Miss Sherwood? I? Eileen's going on the stage. Oh, really? Well, I know some people in the theater. Oh, that's so kind of you, Mr. Baker. But Eileen, Mr. Baker did... <laughs> I will, though. I'll be glad to help you both. Say, how about coming out to dinner with me right now? I'd love to. Oh, no, Eileen has a date. In fact... Excuse me. Hello? Who? No, Violet doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> Who sent you? Marty from the airport? <laughs> well, I don't care. You tell him to stop bothering us. I bet that's Frank. Come in. Oh, hello. Uh, Frank, you remember my sister, Ruth? Uh -huh. And this is Mr. Baker. How do you do? Hello. Uh, I'm fine, thank you. Say, Eileen, I brought you some grape juice. I thought it'd go fine with the spaghetti. It's a special we're running this week. So's our spaghetti. <laughs> Frank, 
Frank's with the Acme Drugstore, Mr. Baker. Oh, yes, a great place. I buy all my books there. Well, I'm afraid we were just going to have dinner, Mr. Baker. Well, maybe Mr. Baker will have a drink with us before he goes. It's our best grape juice. Uh, no, thanks. I think I'll skip this round. <laughs> oh, Frank. I've spilled the grape juice on your pretty white suit. Oh, it doesn't matter. What was that noise? Oh, didn't Eileen tell you? It's it's a new subway. I'm looking forward to the day when the Bronx Express goes right through this room. <laughs> Let me go, you big slug. What do you think you're doing, stealing bedclothes? I tell you, I'm all right. Girls, will you tell this big clown I'm okay? He's all right, officer. It's Mr. Loomis. Yes, he's the rat. He's that all right. I found him in the alley with all these bedclothes. I think he's some kind of nut. You're crazy. I'm going to live here. That's right, officer. Yes, he's staying with us. Oh, it's you two. I thought I warned you to be careful. Why, hey, listen. Now, look here, officer. You're sniffing up the wrong tree. I'll vouch for these girls. Oh, and that makes everything all right. Who are you? I'm... Come in. It's Violet here. <laughs> no, she isn't. Violet doesn't live here anymore. Don't give me that. I want to see Violet. Where is she, anyhow? I tell you, we don't know any Violet. Just a minute, mister. Who are you? Who am I? I'm Marty, from the airport. Well, for a place with a bad location and no neon sign, we're doing a whale of a business. Well, almost anything can happen in dust to Ruth and Eileen, as you'll all hear in act number two. Ruth is played by Shirley Booth, who created the role in the original Broadway production. But while Ruth and Eileen are getting adjusted to the swift pace of life in Greenwich Village, let us turn to Kenneth Banghart with news of an important event in midtown Manhattan. The Ford Motor Company is making a lot of news these days. From coast to coast, Ford is making more news than the world of automobiles has known in many years. On Thursday... The Ford Motor Company opened one of the biggest automobile shows in history at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel here in New York. Already, more than 125,000 people have attended to see the world premiere of the 49 Ford and special showings of the new Lincolns and Mercuries. In a few minutes, I'll be speaking to you from that show and bringing you an on-the-spot report. Today, the Ford Motor Company is giving another gigantic preview, one that extends from coast to coast. Today is Ford Family Day at the Great Rouge Plant in Dearborn and at 14 assembly plants and a dozen parts depots all over the country. At this very moment, thousands and thousands of Ford families in every section of the United States are seeing the 49 Ford for the first time. And on this coming Friday, the Ford 49er will be shown to all America. On that day, the revolutionary new 49 Ford is going to be introduced to literally millions of people. Bright and early Friday morning, the Ford 49er will be on display in the showrooms of more than 6,000 Ford dealers of America. This Friday, the 49 Ford will be on display in your town, and you are invited to see it. Yes, this week, the Ford Motor Company is making news all over America. This week, it is introducing the car of the year, the 49 Ford. The second act of the Ford Theatre's presentation of My Sister Eileen will be heard after a brief pause for station identification. Theatre's presentation of My Sister Eileen. Almost a month has passed. Although Ruth and Eileen have settled into the apartment, they still haven't found jobs in the big city. Otherwise, things haven't changed much, except that the wreck, whose mother-in-law is visiting in the upstairs apartment, has moved down to board with the girls. As the second act curtain rises, we are confronted with a highly domestic scene. The wreck, clad in basketball trunks and sweatshirt, as usual, is ironing a dress. Ruth is typing a story, and the subway blasting sounds even closer. Wow, striking oil today. 
Look out, Rex. You'll burn that blouse. Say, how did you come to take up domestic science, anyhow? Well, it got kind of lonesome with Helen away at the office all day. She didn't have time to press her clothes, so I kind of acquired the habit. Must be tough with, when you're working, too. Oh, I never do any housework after the pro football season starts. Saps my strength. This is a pretty nice dress here. Which, uh, which way do you want the pleats turned? Toward Mecca. <laughs> Say, how much longer is your mother-in-law going to stay with you? I wonder. Not that I mind your being here, Rick, but we're moving in a few days. Oh, well, don't stay here on my account. Oh, say, will you do something for me? Will you take this manuscript to the mailbox? I sure will. Maybe this is the one that won't come back. I know it won't. I can't afford return postage anymore. <laughs> I'll pray over it. Sherwood residence? Well, which Miss Sherwood do you want? No, Miss Eileen Sherwood isn't in just now. Who? Prince? Prince who? Oh, yes, Prince. Who, me? I'm her maid. Yes, I'll tell Miss Eileen you call. <laughs> Not at all. Hi, Ruth. Good news. We can use some. What is it, Eileen, a job? No, but we've got tomorrow morning's breakfast anyhow. We have? You're sure you're not talking about two other girls? It's in here, this bag. Corn Corners. Where on earth did you get these, Eileen? At the food show. Well, what were you doing there? Well, I, I saw some people coming out with big bags of samples, so I thought I might as well get some, too. Fourteen boxes of Corn Corners. We're going to have breakfast all day long. <laughs> but it's good for you. It's roughage. I'd like to vary it with a little smoothage, like a steak. <laughs> oh, I meant to tell you, we're okay at the drugstore again. You mean it's on again with Frank? After Violet and Marty and everything? Mm, bigger than ever. I had a uh, pimento sandwich, a tomato surprise, and a giant double malted with marble cake. That's right, dear. Keep your strength up. <laughs> You're eating for two now. <laughs> seem to be losing any weight. Well, how can I on potatoes and bread and spaghetti? I'm starving all the time and I keep getting fatter. <laughs> Frank didn't want to talk to me at first. He was so upset about what happened here the other night. But it's okay again now. Dinner at the Acme drugstore tonight if you want it. How about it? No, thanks. I got a story to finish. I'll dine on corn corners. <laughs> the label says delicious with cream and strawberries. What isn't? Oh, faithful every 15 minutes You know, Eileen, Apophis was right I'm getting used to it mm, Me too I used to jump and scream Now I only jump Well, only a few more days We're out hunting a new basement I suppose you didn't hear anything encouraging today No, but I didn't lose any ground No stories came back, at least Oh, oh, by the way A prince called Prince Gregory. Oh, did, did he call? Oh, he's an awfully interesting boy. What may make Prince, is he? <laughs> the Georgian. You know, a Russian exile. He's studying at Columbia. I met him on top, top of a bus. What, what's that? Well, 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 there was an awful conductor to him. This assistant that I hadn't paid my fare. Well, Gregory, this prince, he said that he saw me pay it. Wasn't that gallant of him? Did, did you pay it? It's not. <laughs> Got any dimes to throw away on the 5th Avenue new bus company? Well, oh, I'm sorry, Ruth. I screamed instead of jumping. Oh, Ruth! Oh, I don't know. I wouldn't mind it so much sizzling on our meal and all. If only it was getting us somewhere. Gee, Ruth. If you start to feel that way, who's going to hold me up? Oh, I'm not worried about you, Eileen. Not, not while there's a man alive. <laughs> well, after all, men are only an escape. Comes another escape. <laughs> Sherwood residence. Miss Ruth Sherwood? For me? Who's calling, please? What? Yes, yeah, yeah, she's here. Wait a minute. What is it? Ruth, it's, it's Bob Baker's editor on the Manhattan Magazine. Mr. Collins wants to talk to you. <clears throat> Hello? Yes, this is she. Uh huh. She! What? Yes, Mr. Collins. 
Yes, Mr. Collins. Oh, thank you, Mr. Collins. Paper and pencil, quick. What is it? What happened? Hurry up. Yes, Mr. Collins, I'm ready. Sand, Sand Street, Brooklyn. Yes, I've got it. Oh, sure, I understand. Yes, yes, right away, Mr. Collins. I can't believe it. What did he say? What did he want? He's giving me a chance to show what I can do. An assignment over in Brooklyn. Brooklyn? Yeah. What happened there? Well, a, a Brazilian training ship just got in. You know, like Annapolis? Only, oh, these are all young coffee millionaires. I'm to go aboard and get a human interest story. Coffee millionaire? Yeah. I'll, I'll lend you my new shear and the hat that I was saving for the audition. I'm going on an assignment, not a date. Well, you're not going over there with a run in your stocking. Oh. Take it off. Here, change with me. Gee, what a break. Isn't it wonderful, Eileen? What do they pay for a magazine story? I don't know, but whatever it is, it's more than we're living on now. <laughs> Say, have you got any money? Who, me? Well, how am I going to get over there? The milk bottle. Oh, well. Good luck. Thanks. Pier 63, Sand Street, Brooklyn. Goodbye. Bye. And remember, a coffee millionaire is just as good as a job. Eileen! Where is Brooklyn? <laughs> to write a story for... No, she isn't back yet, but... How did you know about the assignment? Bob, did you arrange for Ruth to get that job? Oh, wasn't that sweet of you? Of all the people I've met in New York, you're the nicest. But you are. Uh, I know you'd do as much for me if you could. <laughs> oh, Bob. You don't mean that. <laughs> Wait a minute. I think I can hear Ruth's now. No, sounds like she's got some people with her. Eileen! You'd better come right over. Eileen! Ruth? Gee, thank heavens you're home. Who are all these men in? The Brazilian Navy. They're all going to be admirals. What did you bring them here for? Bring them? They've been on my, my trail ever since I left the Brooklyn Navy Yard. There were a dozen more when we started out, but I lost most of them at the subway. Listen, boy, goodbye. Au revoir. Au Saint. Get lost. What are we going to do with them? Well, it looks as if they, they want to meet you. Hey! Hey! <laughs> that, that's all the English they know. Admirals. Meet my sister, Eileen. Muito prazer, senhorita. Alô, senhorita, como vai? How do you do? Listen, listen, Emily Post. How do you say get the blazes out of here in Portuguese? Que pequena formidável. Essas pequenas americanas são do barulho. Mas que chuchuzinho. E esta lourinha aqui, infernal, menino? They want anyway. What do you think they want? We've got to get them out of here. Well, suppose you take a crack at it. Be good boys. Go back to your boat. You know, your boat. <laughs> You're doing great. Well, you brought them here. The least you can do is help me get, get rid of them. Opa, esse é para mim. Can you imagine what they just said? Oh, I don't have to imagine. Okay, they're tossing for us. Well, don't worry. You'll win. <laughs> what shall we do, Ruth? They won't go. I've got it, Eileen. The phonograph. The phonograph? Shall I throw it out at them? No. Dance with them. Look, you start a conga line. They'll follow you. But I don't want them to. Listen, get them out into the street and then double back. I'll hold the door open for you and shut them out. You, you do it. And then they won't follow me. All right. I think it will work. <laughs>
going on here? Have you all gone mad? I just saw Eileen going down the street. Yes, I send it. But, but she was doing a sort of congo with, with some boys in a lot of gold braid. That's the Brazilian Navy. <laughs> the, the distance, it looked, looked like fun. A lot of kids were following them. Uh-oh, I'm afraid that's it. I seen her come out of here with all them sailors. Well, what of it, for heaven's sake? I warned you about carrying on on my beat. What's the charge? Running a dance hall without a license. <laughs> come on. The very diverting scene is the dozen or so Brazilian naval cadets, all future admirals, of course, invade Ruth and Eileen's little basement apartment, and are led back into the street in Eileen's conga line is, well, it's really one of the high spots of my sister Eileen. Now, while you've been listening to Act Two, our friend Kenneth Banghart has been hurrying across New York in a special Ford car at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. There, in the great ballroom, is a scene which Kenneth Banghart will describe to you as he sees it. So now, over we go to the Waldorf Astoria Ballroom and to Kenneth Bank. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's the fastest trip I ever made in Manhattan, but it was worth it. I'm speaking to you now from a box high above the floor of the great ballroom of the Waldorf Astoria, and that's Emil Coleman and his band, by the way. This huge room is decorated in red and white and gold, lit by dozens of spotlights and filled with exciting displays. At the front of the ballroom, reaching from floor to ceiling, is a great white and gold merry-go-round on which five new 49 Fords are running. On each side are new Ford engines, turning over in modernistic plastic shells. In front is a Ferris wheel, 20 feet high, on which new Ford chassis are turning and revolving so that visitors may inspect every detail. It's really quite a sight. More exhibits throughout the room demonstrate Ford's new blacklight instrument panel, magic air temperature control, and the new Ford overdrive. And here's something interesting. Every exhibit is being explained by sons of Ford dealers who have come to New York from all parts of the country, especially for this occasion. In other rooms, right off the ballroom here, actors are demonstrating the 49 Ford's living room comfort. And I've seen a ballet about a picnic and a rainstorm with real rain, dramatizing the advantages of the quick-acting top of the new 49 Ford convertible. And towering over all these people here is a giant statue of a 49er, a prospector 26 feet high, who's panning gold nuggets from a real stream of water in a scene that depicts Sutter's Mill in California back in 1849. This gold miner with his nuggets symbolizes the whole show and its star, the Ford 49er. It's a gay and exciting scene with music and lights and fascinating displays. And as undoubtedly you can hear, the room is filled with people, I'd say an estimated 3,000 people, who've come here today to see the new 49 Ford. Since last Thursday, I understand more than 125,000 people have visited these displays. They came because the new 49 Ford has aroused more interest than any new car in years. People are anxious to see this new Ford. It's a greater change from the present Fords than the famous Model A was from the famous Model T. And they haven't been disappointed. The visitors to this showing have been enthusiastic about the Ford 49er. They've been pleased by the many new features of the new car. It's increased room and greater comfort. It's new low center of gravity and new power. But above all, they've been enthusiastic about the new beauty of the 49 Ford. During the past three days, I've heard many comments, and I think one of the most frequent's been, they said the new Ford would take your breath away, and they weren't kidding. As I'm talking to you now, people are crowding around the new 49 Fords, looking, touching, examining. They're climbing in and out of the cars, trying the seats and the steering wheel, working the brakes and the gear shift, opening the trunk, slamming the doors, peering at the engine, and I can see some of them even getting down on hands and knees to see the new springs. And the more closely they examine the Ford 49er, the more pleased they are. As I worked my way through the crowd to our microphone, I heard all kinds of comments. Such things as, boy, what a beautiful car. It sure got a new look. That airfoil grill is terrific. And did you notice those seats? Three of us sat in front and there was plenty of room. Appropriately enough, several times I heard, that Ford is really a dream car. During the past three days, there's been newspaper, magazine, television, and radio coverage of the show and the new models, as well as capacity crowds. 
To put it mildly, the 49 Ford is making a lot of news here in New York right now and will continue to do so because the Waldorf showing will remain open through Tuesday of this coming week. And this coming Friday, the Ford 49er is going to make news in your community. No matter where you are, your Ford dealer will have the new 49 Ford on display Friday. He invites you to see it. Go Friday if you can. If you're like the thousands of people who are crowding around these new cars right now here in New York, you're going to enjoy seeing the car of the year, the 49 Ford. And now I'm going to send you back to the Ford Theater in Radio City. return now to the saga of Ruth and Eileen. And as the curtain rises on Act 3, the fortunes of the Sherwood girls are at a low ebb. Neither Ruth nor Eileen has landed a job. Their little store of money has vanished. Eileen is under arrest in the magistrate's court, and Ruth is getting ready to quit the little basement apartment. There's a knock on the door. Who is it? It is I, Apopolis. Oh, come in. Hello, Mr. Apopolis. Miss Sherwood, you still insist on leaving this beautiful studio? We certainly do. We don't care who knows it. Mm-hmm. A fine mess you made of this suite. Do you realize how it looks? Well, if I get a particular tenant, I will have to do a little painting. Maybe even put up some curtains. I was particular, too, Mr. Apopolis, remember? But you never did one thing you promised. Please, not so high and haughty, my dear young lady. I've rented this apartment for 12 years to a lot of peculiar tenants. But none of them ever started a riot with South America before. (laughs) Please, I'm tired. And I've got my sister to worry about. Getting arrested, spending the night in jail. I only hope she had sense enough to give the wrong address. Yes, imagine what bad publicity could do to this rat hole. (laughs) Well, you get a job, you can come back here. I let bygones be bygones. Oh, you do, huh? All right, how about returning that month's rent? We're still dissatisfied. What are you talking about? Whoever said such a thing? I was one of the witnesses. If I said I'd give you your money back, may heaven strike me dead. You see, they heard you. (laughs) Always you joke. Well, just remember, at five o'clock sharp, your occupancy of this studio terminates. Suits me. After all I've done for you, putting curtains in the windows... Where did you put those curtains? You never gave us any. Hello, can I come in? You certainly can, Bob. Blow, Apopolis. Me? Blow? In my own building? Yes, blow. In your own building. All right. But at five o'clock, sir, I'm blowing back again. Is it time to go to court, Ruth? No, not quite. Gee, thanks for coming, Bob. I'm so... I guess I'm frightened. Oh, now, don't worry. We'll explain how it happened. You know what I did? I wrote it all out. You know, just the way it was to uh, give to the magistrate. Well, let me see. Uh, say, the sounds swell, Ruth. Look, I'll read it all later, and maybe... Only I had one little piece of good news to tell, Eileen. Just anything. No. No job, no place to live, not a story sold. Well, that big baboon on a magazine ought to have bought your stories by now. So I'll tell you what, I'll give him a ring. Well, that would be wonderful. You sure they're good enough, Bob? You bet they are. You ought to have more faith in yourself, Ruth. I should? Yes, you you definitely should. Thanks. I'm beginning to. I'll give him a ring and see if he's read them yet. May I? May you? Gee, Bob, you're getting terribly involved in our troubles. It doesn't seem fair. I enjoy it. Now, my plan is to... Oh, hello? Uh, Mr. Collins, please. I'll introduce you over the phone. No, I don't think you'd better. Uh, Ralph? Might... Bob, did you read that stuff I sent you? Uh, yeah, Ruth, show it. Uh-huh. How'd you like it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in my opinion, your opinion stinks. I don't think you know a good story when you see one. Well, well, if my... If my judgment... All right, then. If I don't know a good story, I'm no use to you. Yes, exactly. That suits me fine. The big ape. What happened? Oh, nothing. I just quit, that's all. You got yourself fired over my story? He had it coming to him. Come on, let's go to court. Your Honor, my... 
client has decided to throw herself on the mercy of the court. <clears throat> uh, very good. Now, Miss... Uh... Eileen. Eileen. Mm, a pretty name. And you're a pretty girl. Thank you, Your Honor. <clears throat> That's neither here nor there. Remember, by throwing yourself on the mercy of the court, you cannot escape justice. Oh. Now, let us review the case. You and your sister came to make your fortunes in this great city. And how did you go about it? You moved into a respectable house, and your abode became a haunt of dissolute characters, although a friendly officer warned you at the start. Not that I could blame young men for wishing to call on you. However, you came from a decent home, no doubt. No doubt at all. Have you stopped to think that you have disgraced your dear old parents' name? Or are your parents the modern kind that let a child run wild and seek only a life of pleasure for themselves? I blame such parents for the delinquency of their children. Your father ought to be in the darkened state. Here I am, Your Honor. Pa! Dad! Here, come here, you. Who are you? I'm Walter Sherwood, this young lady's father. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad to see you. Her father, eh? And are you proud of what your daughter has done? Well, to tell you the truth, Your Honor, I don't know what she's done. I just got into town. Went to their address, and a Greek gentleman told me they were here. But I know Eileen's a good girl. Oh, I am, Pop, I am. A remarkably pretty girl, Mr. Sherwood. A girl that ought to be kept in the protection of the home. That's why I came here, Judge, to take my little girls back home. If you would let her go... Well, uh, I'm a father myself, and of course, there are extenuating circumstances here. Uh, excuse me, Your Honor. Uh, what is it, officer? Is that so? Well, the court will recess for an hour. Can she come with me? Not yet. In fact, I'm afraid I must hold your daughter under close watch. What have I done now? Young woman, the information I have just received indicates that there are, in this case... International complications. Oh, Ruth, I've started a war. Hello? Oh, hello, Bob. Dad and I just this minute got in. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, thanks, Bob, for all you've done. Yes, any time. That the chap who got you into all this trouble? Oh, no, Dad, it's not Bob's fault. He's got a friend who's the city editor of the New York Bulletin, and, and he's got the newspaper working to find out what it's all about. Going to put Eileen's face on the front page of the Columbus papers, I'll bet. <laughs> well, she won't mind. Will you, Dad? Well, we sure would used to keep out of the papers, mostly. Doesn't your friend Bob have any idea what the judge meant by international complications? Well, well, you see, uh, all these admirals, I mean the, uh, the naval cadets, are on sort of a goodwill tour from Brazil. Uh -huh. And they got in jail, too. I hope they let Eileen out by six. I want us to make the night bus back. Us? Go back? Oh, Dad. I told the judge I came to take you home. Got to keep my word. Oh, but... Tell me, Ruth. Don't you ever get a little homesick for Columbus? Oh, no. Well, not yet, anyway. I couldn't go back now, Dad. Any special reason? Oh, no. Well, yes, Dad. I, I met someone. For the first time in my life, I, I met someone. Someone, you know? And I'm very happy. Well, this is a surprise, Ruth. When are things going to happen? Oh, I've only met him a couple of times. Oh, I've only met him a couple of times. You sound like your sister Eileen. <laughs> Come to think of it, I do. Well, Eileen's all right, but the kind of life you live here, it's not for you girls. What that judge said. I thought of Mother hearing that, and I was ashamed. Men coming in at all hours, sort of disreputable oh, people. Oh, Dad, it just looks that way. We lead a very quiet life. And our friends are all nice married couples. You mustn't believe those stories. I'm a rambling wreck from Georgia Tech and a heck of an engineer. Hi, Ruthie. Who's that? Oh, uh, he's the husband of one of our neighbors. <clears throat> See you later, Wreck. Just thought I'd drop in. Oh, you got a visitor, huh? This is my father, Wreck. Mr. Loomis, Dad. How do you do? Pleased to meet you. Um, Helen's mother went away, so now I can go back home. I just want to say how happy I was living here with you. Young man! <laughs> was sort of a boarder, Dad. He slept in the kitchen. Well, back to the ball and chain. So long. That settles it, Ruth. We go back to Columbus. George! 
Eileen, you're back. They let you go, Eileen? What happened? Eileen, who's this? This is the Consul General of Brazil. My family, senor. Senor, senoritas, I have come here to speak for those unfortunate compatriots of mine to right a most disastrous wrong. Oh, that's all right. Well, you are as generous as your sister is beautiful. Oh. But I must apologize for those wild, impetuous boys. They beg for forgiveness. Oh, they're cute. They say they're grossly sorry. And I take up with my government the question of reparations. Oh, I, I don't need any reparations. Well, the beautiful senorita spent a night in jail. And you saved my country a big disgrace. There must be reparations. Well... We could always use some good coffee. Eileen. So the lady appreciates my country. We will send you a ton of coffee. <laughs> and now I present to you the ribbon of the Order of St. Christopher, second class. Oh. Wonder what you have to go through to get first class. <laughs> now I bid you a respectful farewell. Muito obrigado. Adeus. Well, that's done with. And it won't happen again. You bet it won't. Because you're going home. But, Dad... If you have any arguments, you can make them on the bus. I'm going down to make the reservations. When I come back, I want you to be ready. Well, there you are. Gee, Ruth. If we go back to Columbus, what'll people say? I know what they'll say. Did you hear the dirt about Ruth and Eileen Sherwood? On account of them, we nearly got in Dutch with Brazil. <laughs> Well, I'm not going back. You're not? No, Eileen, I'm just beginning to find out something about myself. I'm stronger than I ever was. I know myself for the first time. That's why I won't go back. I may never feel this way again. Good for you, Ruth. I don't care what Dad says. I'm not going either. Oh, gosh, Ruth. If only one of us had landed a job. Well, I thought I had one. Bob thought I might... Gee, Ruth, some... isn't Bob a great guy? I think he's the nicest person I met in New York. Yes, isn't he? He's really the first boy who seems to well, care what happens to me. How I get along and everything. Well, I guess I better start packing. But I thought you said... A lot of talk, Eileen. Just talk. Ruth, tell me. Do you like Bob, too? Strange as it may seem. Why, I never had any idea. Oh. Gee, Ruth, I'm sorry for you. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> this is Ruth Sherwood. What? But I didn't send you any story. Well, Bob Baker gave it to you. What is it? It's a city editor. Oh, that's wonderful. I'll be there. I got a job, Eileen. Bob got me a job. How? Well, I, I wrote out the story of the Brazilian admirals to show to the magistrate. And, and I gave it to Bob. And he gave it to the city editor of the bulletin. And he likes it. And Eileen, can you believe it? I got a job on a newspaper. We eat again. And we don't have to go back to Columbus. Everybody home again? Yeah. Bob, come in. Ruth's got a job. Oh, gee, Bob, how can I ever thank you? Ruth, if you won't kiss Bob, I will. That's for getting Ruth a job. I had to. Now she can support me. What? Well, I forgot to tell you, Eileen. Bob got himself fired from the magazine on account of me. However, I've saved just enough in the last ten years to take you both to dinner. Dinner? You mean dinner? <laughs> One of those things you get at a restaurant with several courses? Dinner. Well, you, you and Eileen go. I'm afraid I can't make it tonight. Of course you can, Ruth. Why not? Well, I've got to stay here and talk to Dad. Oh. Oh, thank goodness. I just remembered. I've got a date. Say, so what's this mad rush for going out with me? Oh, she's just being silly. You've been in jail, Eileen. How could you have a date? Oh, well, it's with this awfully cute lawyer I met down there. <laughs> I've got to phone him in a couple of minutes, so... Uh... It uh, looks as if you're stuck with me, Ruth. Like it or not. Certainly looks that way. Thanks, Eileen. <laughs> Congratulations, my dear young ladies. As one artist to another, a populace rejoices in your good fortune. The job pays well? It pays well enough for us to get out of this blasting hole of Calcutta you call a studio. <coughs> oh, that's all done. 
I just got a letter from the city today. The blasting is all over. It is, huh? Not only that, I intend to make each of these studios a haven of beauty and repose. New furniture, new paint, A1 stoves and plumbing. Reduced rents. Reduced rents? How much reduced? This place will be given away for $60. $60? And you're really going to do all those things? Certainly, with a lease. And you're sure about the blasting? In black and white. See? Pursuant to your complaint of the 15th instant, please note blasting will terminate on the 1st. Signed by the mayor. See, Miss Eileen? What do you think, Ruth? Well, it sounds legitimate enough. I don't know. Well, we've got to live somewhere. Maybe this place is lucky or something. Of course it is. How long are these leases for? Six months, but on a completely friendly basis. New beds, walls painted, Venetian blinds. Venetian blinds, everything. It's all in here, Eileen. Well, sounds all right. Of course it's all right. Do you think we ought to? Certainly you ought to. I don't know. He can't back out, Kenny. We've got him where we want him. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm trapped. <laughs> all right, I'll turn it. Congratulations, you made a wise decision. Aren't you getting ready, girls? Ruth, it's Pop. The bus leaves in 40 minutes. We're not going, Dad. What? Isn't it wonderful? Ruth's got a job on a paper. You are the father. Congratulations. You got a pair of brilliant daughters. Yeah, but, but wait a minute. It's I... all settled, Dad. We just signed a six-month lease. Six months lease? With all that blasting? The blasting is over. <laughs> What was that? I told you the blasting is over. Now they're starting to drill. Drill? <laughs> Good heavens, what's happening? The floor. Look, it's cracking. What's going on here? They're coming through the floor. Ruth, look at that hole. We broke it through, boys. But you can't come in here. We're sorry, folks. We... Hey, Joe. Look. Women. <laughs> You know, I suppose the final few moments of Act Three, where the subway gang, the Sandhogs, really break through the wall of Ruth and Eileen's little apartment with their pneumatic grills, is really one of the most amusing and original climaxes in the modern theater. I had a grand time today, and I hope you enjoyed Ford's theater radio version of My Sister Eileen. It really is a funny comedy, isn't it? Our stars today were Shirley Booth, who created the role of Ruth in the original Broadway production, and Virginia Gilmore as Eileen. Daniel Ocko appeared as Mr. Apopolis. The Ford Motor Company offers you a very cordial invitation to listen again to the Ford Theater next Sunday afternoon. On that occasion, you'll hear a radio adaptation of the famous Broadway play, The Late Christopher Bean. It's a lovely, gentle comedy about a New England doctor and a group of hard-boiled art dealers. Next Sunday, your Ford Theater spokesman will be Louis Calhern, one of the most famous fathers of that wonderful play, Life with Father, now currently starring in the plays The Thing on Broadway. Right here, I'd like to thank Eddie Dowling for being with us today. My Sister Eileen was written by Joseph A. Fields and Jerome Chodorov from the stories of Ruth McKinney, adapted for radio by Gilbert Selvis and edited by Howard Teichman. The musical score was composed by Amadeo Di Filippi and conducted by Howard Barlow. The entire production was under the direction of George Zachary. Other players in today's cast included Carl Eastman, Gary Merrill, Ted DeCorsia, Arthur Q. Bryan, Barry Doig, Larry Haynes, Arnold Moss, Maurice Franklin, Jose Leme, Moacir Caglielia, Elio Pereira, and Richard Diavolar. Eddie Dowling, the distinguished actor and producer, appeared today in the place of Howard Lindsay, our regular spokesman for the Ford Theater, who's in Detroit, where he's just opened in his new play, Life with Mother.
Next week, Howard Lindsay's guest will be Louis Calhoun in our play, The Late Christopher Bean. The Ford Theater is presented by the Ford Motor Company, makers of Ford, Mercury, and Lincoln cars, and Ford trucks, farm tractors, and industrial engines. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.